Good morning and welcome to our Sunday morning chapel service here at Sunnyview Manor. Uh, today's date is February 27th, 2022, and it happens to be Transfiguration Sunday. Uh, last week you may have noticed I was wearing my green vestments, uh, and today the white is the uh, color of the uh, day. Uh, set aside to remember the story of Jesus' encounter, or I should say, the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, uh, encounter with Jesus on the top of the mountain, in which his uh, clothes were turned bright white, uh, bright like lightning, the text describes, uh, and he meets with Moses and Elijah. It's a very powerful story, and this Sunday of the liturgical year commemorates that. As we do each week, I'm going to be reading our lectionary scripture texts uh, that come from uh, this Sunday in our church calendar year. And we'll begin with our Old Testament reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verses 29 to 35. Moses came down from Mount Sinai. As he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke with them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off, until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, the Israelites would see the face of Moses, that the skin of his face was shining. And Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. Our psalm reading for today comes from Psalm 99. The Lord is king, let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim, let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion, he is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. Mighty King, lover of justice, you have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Extol the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who called on his name. They cried to the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them in the pillar of cloud that kept his decrees, and the statutes that he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Extol the Lord our God, and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Our New Testament reading comes from the letter of 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 12, through chapter 4, verse 2. Since then we have such a hope, we act with great boldness, not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside, but their minds were hardened. Indeed, to this very day, when they hear the reading of the Old Covenant, that same veil is still there. 
since only in Christ is it set aside. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. Our Gospel reading comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 9, verses 28 to 36 and 37 to 43. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men. Moses and Elijah talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him, just then a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I beg your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed into the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In his letter to the church at Corinth, Paul writes these words, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's a powerful sentence and comes loaded with terms and ideas we need to take time to flesh out and understand. Let's begin by noticing the order-dependent nature of what Paul is saying. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom freedom. 
That is, the presence of God brings freedom. So the next question to ask is, what does Paul mean by freedom? Some might suggest today that freedom is being able to choose anything or everything we want to choose. But we know from experience that this is a way of defining freedom that cannot be absolute. We can't build our life upon that definition of freedom. For example, if we define freedom as our absolute right to do whatever we wanted to do, then I could walk up to someone, hit them in the face, and say, I'm free to do whatever I want. And I wanted to hit you. And so I did. But that sounds ludicrous, right? It's absurd. We know that human freedom is not absolute or limitless. Rather, human freedom is held in tension with our understanding of relationship, community, and life together. We cannot do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. That's not freedom. That's anarchy. So what does Paul mean when he says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom? Well, I think we need to explore something else to get to the concept of freedom, to a true concept of freedom. And that other thing that we need to start with is the idea of identity. Christian tradition teaches us that Jesus came to save us from our sin and save us for eternal life. Jesus did this by becoming one of us, living a full human life, ultimately giving up his life so that we could be reconciled to God. Jesus also reveals to us our true identity. Jesus leads us to what it means to be truly, fully human. We look at Jesus and we see what we were meant to be. It's one of my favorite concepts from one of my favorite theologians, is that when we look at Jesus, we see what we were meant to be. You and I were meant to be loving, peaceful, whole, and connected creatures. We were meant to be receivers and givers of love. We were meant to embody joy and beauty and truth. Jesus does all this. Jesus is all this. This is our true identity. And in our true identity, we are truly free. Because we are made of love. We live in love. We overflow with love for others. That is what Paul means by freedom. It's not the ability to do whatever we want. It's the ability to be and do what we were meant to be and to do. Where the Spirit of the Lord is... There is freedom. Where God's presence dwells fully, human beings experience their true identity. We, we are beautiful. We are creators of beauty. We are truth receivers and truth speakers. We are builders of the good and beacons of light. So the last and maybe most important question is, how do I find the presence of the Spirit of the Lord? What does that look like? How can I recognize it? This is one of the most important things that a preacher could ever talk about. How do I find the presence of God? What is my part to play in being present to God? How do I know I'm in the presence of God? 
These, my friends, are some of the most important questions we could ask. Of course, as Christians believe and have believed for 2,000 years, and even beyond that into Judeo-Christian tradition, God is everywhere. We believe God is everywhere. There's no place in all of creation where God is not present. So it's not like we have to be in a special building or a physical location to be in the presence of God. You can be in the presence of God in the middle of a cornfield, at the bottom of the ocean, walking on the surface of Mars. There's no place that you can go where God isn't already there. The presence of God is not about our physical location. The presence of God is about our awareness of God's presence. One of the saddest and darkest truths of human life is that we can walk through this world blinded by distraction and asleep to the infinite and eternal presence of the Holy Trinity. You can go through whole days, weeks, months, even an entire lifetime oblivious to the fact that you are walking through an infinite ocean of love, grace, and beauty. It's everywhere. God is everywhere. God is everywhere. So God's presence is not something you find or search for. It's something you receive and notice. When Peter, James, and John went up the mountain with Jesus and saw him transfigured before them, they saw the glory, the power, the awesome beauty of Jesus' divinity. But Jesus was already with them before they walked up the mountain. God was already walking around with them speaking to them, hugging them, healing them, helping them, revealing things to them. They needed to have their eyes opened. You and I need to have our eyes opened as well. God is closer to you than your own breath. God is nearer to you than your own soul. That might be hard to believe, but it's not the presence of God we're missing. It's the awareness of the presence of God that we're missing. The presence of God is right here, right now, with you. So our next question is, how do I become more aware? This is what was giving me a sense of excitement earlier as I began the message. There are so many things we can do, so many practices and rhythms and ways we can open our hands and our souls to receive God's presence, ways we can become more awake to this presence. The list is actually far too long to share in a short sermon like this one, but I'll give you a few ideas that I find particularly helpful. For one, we can pray. Prayer is both speaking to God and listening to God. Have you ever spent 10 or 15 minutes just sitting in silence, listening for God's voice? I have. And in years and years of trying this practice, I have yet to hear an audible voice like the voice I'm sharing with you right now. But I have sensed God lead me to things. Books to read, passages of scripture to read, things to pray for. I've waited and I've listened and I've paid attention to that presence. So prayer is a great way to wake up and pay attention to the presence of God. 
Another is scripture study. When we look for God in the text of scripture, we find him in Jesus. God reveals himself to us in Jesus in the text of scripture. So read a gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. You pick. Pay attention to Jesus. Learn from Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Follow Jesus. A third idea. Take a walk. Some of us are movers. We experience God in our movements. Going on a walk through the rose garden. Taking a walk past the aviary with the beautiful birds. Singing their songs and fluttering about. Go on a walk and start it off by saying, Lord, help me see you as I walk today. Fourth idea, listen to music or sing. Some of you are music people, I know it. You hear God speak to you through powerful songs. You feel God's presence in the notes and the lyrics. Play music that awakens you to the beauty. Sing songs that bring you joy and hope. You will find God in those things. Fifth, as I've already said, there are many, many ways to awaken ourselves to God's presence. Too many for me to list here. But the last one I want to mention is to simply notice the beautiful. As you go about your day, as you go about your routine, pay attention to beautiful things. When you see a smile, when you see a lovely painting or photograph, when you hear someone laugh, when you hear a good joke, when you see someone help another person, when you hear good news, when you taste good food, when you smell a lovely candle, notice it. Notice the beauty. Beauty is everywhere around us. Beauty is like a window into God's presence because all beauty, everything that's beautiful, finds its source in God. So I've given you a number of different invitations here today, and I encourage you to try one of them or all of them. God is near. God is present to you and to me, and we can see, taste, hear, smell, touch, feel God in many ways. May we experience God in the beauty, truth, and love all around us. May we invite others to join us on the journey. Amen. Amen. Now I want to invite you to join me in our confession of faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Now I invite you to join me in praying the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now in closing of our Sunday morning service, I invite you to receive this benediction. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Go in peace. Know that God loves you. God is with you. And pay attention to the beauty all around you. God is in the beauty. Amen.